us. They just want to listen to people who are doing the work, right? Uh, and you guys know it better than anybody. They want to hear how deals are getting done. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson. I'm here with my partner, Joe Favrito. We have not done a pod together in a Seems like like two months, but it's been a few weeks, Joe. Um, how are you? Well, it's Groundhog Day, Tom. So that's kind of the way, so, yeah, so that's, that's the way we view we view this whole program is you just kind of start all over again. Okay, that's fair. Um, I know you've been busy. Uh, I want to hear about some of the interesting things you've uh, you've been working on or seeing in the last week or two. But I will also like to note, as I did in the pre-call, that today is a momentous day in the uh, evolution of digital media history with the launch of Apple Vision Pro officially on sale as of today, February 2. Exciting day for those of us that follow this stuff uh, and already some interesting sports samples circulating around, including one NBA one, which is kind of eye-popping, which I'll, uh, we should share with everybody. It's quite interesting. Anyway, big day in tech, very exciting. But uh, what have you been up to? What's... Uh, so, so first of all, Tom, you didn't tell everybody because they can't see this. Tom and I actually have our Apple Vision Pro goggles right, on. Right. Yeah, that, that would have been a good. This, one. Yeah. This, this is the first podcast ever done with the Apple in Vision space, Pro in spatial computing, Joe. That's what we yes. call it, spatial computing. <laughs> that would have so, been terrific. You know what? Don't laugh. That's probably mm-hmm. the way pods will be done within a couple of years. Well, we're doing it right. Don't lie to people. We're doing it right now. So anyway. Well, yeah. That, you that's assuming that you somehow got amazing. to an Apple store in the last three hours, which yeah. is uh, and waited online to get one. I think. Anyway, what's going on? Um, everything's great. Uh, thanks for asking. Some amazing stops uh, along the way. I was at uh, the Stanford Sports Business Conference last week, which uh, the, the tremendous leadership of George Foster, what was put together by. There's students, lots of really interesting panels, saw a lot of people. I mean, it was amazing to see how the VC and the tech uh, community turned out for that event. They probably had about 300 people. One of the great speakers and um, a shout out to one of our, our students, Max Iger, uh, who had connected us, uh, was listening to R.C. Buford talking about the culture of the Spurs and how the Spurs were built. Oh, cool. um, and there's a chance, Tom, we may have R.C. on campus in the fall. Oh, good. Nice. Um, And, you know, women's sports stuff uh, was always interesting to hear really interesting stuff about the WNBA. Um, By the way, Joe, I'm all I'm all in on this Caitlin Caitlin Clark. So funny you mentioned that the game Um, for the first time ever on Peacock. mm -hmm. I didn't know. I guess I had not known since I was not a Peacock subscriber until a few weeks ago for that NFL Mm -hmm. playoff game that the Big Ten women's basketball games are on Peacock. So I got an alert saying, mm-hmm. see Caitlin Clark at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, ESPN, whatever. Yeah. No, it was Peacock. And that's the first time I've watched a live sports event on Peacock. They did a gr- good job. And this is a phenomenon that I hope uh, everybody's paying attention to. Certainly the fans are because she's selling out wherever she goes. So here, here's the here's the test. And we can ask our guests this test as well. Um, um, Mike Greenberg talked about this on ESPN radio when I was driving around the other day. He said, I can name Caitlin Clark. I cannot name three men's basketball players right now who are prominent players like Stone. In college, college players. In college. Yeah. In college. Yeah. Name three. Right, right. You can't do it. She is, she, is the, she is the face, not of women's basketball, but of all college basketball. And it's tremendous. Right. And, and I think it's great. Um, um, you know, obviously the stars at UConn and, and some of the other players, what the women of Troy are doing, or I guess, I guess they're still called the women of Troy. USC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great. It's going to be an interesting run. Obviously LSU still very big uh, and not to downplay, even though they are in second place, but the Columbia women are pretty good too. Yeah, uh, along with the Princeton women, by the way. Yeah. So, Joe, um, if both- I, is, is, am I correct in saying, or, or Glenn, maybe you know this too. I, I feel like I've seen some nights where women's college is on ESPN and the men's mm-hmm. is on ESPN too. Is that, is yeah, that, I mean, I, I think it, I think that there are deals that work out, but I mean, obviously it's still swayed in one way, although you can watch, you know, 
um, parkour or your favorite um, right world chase tag. tag. Well, yeah, so. Don't forget world chase um, tag. But anyway, so uh, before that, um, I was at the NWSL draft. I think we did a show after that. But I also yeah. yesterday Thursday, the first day of February, I went ventured 15 miles from my house and went to Secaucus, New Jersey, American Dream Mall Entertainment Center to watch the U.S. Curling Championships for an hour. So Seriously? That's um, where they were held? In yeah, that's where they are. It is, it is sold out this weekend. Um, Jared Allen, who played for the Chiefs and several other teams, right. is among the favorites. And by the way, the other thing I found out is the CEO of USA Curling lives in New Jersey. So go figure. So Wait, so what's the, what's the, the venue where they're having this? It's on the ice. There's an ice rink in American Dream, which is the mall okay. outside MetLife Stadium. Oh, that's uh, what used to be called Xanadu? Uh, Xanadu, yes. So, uh-huh. Okay, I've never so been I was there. Um, the other thing I will tell you is, as part of my magical mystery tour, when I was going through the Bay Area, I had last Thursday, I started, I stopped at St. Mary's College, the other Gales, and we'll be talking about the East Coast Gales when our guest joins us in a couple of minutes, because that's where I met him, by the way. Um, watched Shoot Around There for a couple of minutes, went with um, a friend of mine, to Berkeley, I'd never been to Berkeley. We went around the Berkeley campus. And then I was going to the Warriors game last Thursday night to go to the Chase Center, uh, which is very nice. And obviously they've redone that area. Um, but in between that, I was driving to my hotel by the airport and a sign popped up on the right side that said Cow Palace. And I'm like, okay, oh. I'm gonna try and get in. So th- those who don't know, the Cow Palace was the original home of the Golden State Warriors. And the last, I believe it was the site of the last concert of the grateful dead a famous concert it's a massive place i'm like i'll try like i did at the anaheim arena a couple weeks ago i pulled up the gate had just gone up i waved to the security guard he let me walk right in and there i was standing in the middle of the cow palace so another arena checked off my list well so they're still having events it's still being used it's still being used yeah for for concerts and some other things but it is um just outside the, the border of san francisco on the way to the airport it has been redone. It looks really outside. It looks beautiful, but it's a massive place. And people are like, how did you get in? I'm like, the gate went up. I waved to the guy. I walked in. Nobody stopped me. Just like I did at the Anaheim Arena two weeks ago. So if I'm coming to a town near you, be careful because I'm going to some obscure yeah. place I've never been to. You better up your security if Joe's in town. Sounds right. like you've I don't know where I'm going to go in Las Vegas when I'm there next week for Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. You have um, Vegas coming up too. Well, yeah, Joe, so, you're, you're living so, a way more so exciting goal, life actually, than I am. This is actually what I'm going to do. And let's get to our guest. Yeah. I'm going to the main parking lot of the Tropicana and stand in what will be center field with the view of home plate for when they build the A stadium there. So, Maybe. wow. Maybe. Wow. So, All right. Anyways, so, okay, let's go. Yeah. We've got a great guy on today. Um, second time, right? I'm second. Yeah. The last time I checked, it was 2022, but he's kind of got a new identity. You know, he kind of, yeah. he kind of <laughs> has a new disguise. Um, Anybody in the sports business uh, who's been around for a little bit, I'd say probably 99% of the people that are listening from the sports business know this gentleman. Um, and I'm I'm pleased that he'll be getting to speak uh, with other listeners, with all the young folks listening uh, to, to learn from him because he's got so much to offer. Anyway, we're talking about um, industry veteran, old colleague of mine, longtime colleague of mine, Glenn Harine, who is now the Chief Operating Officer of the Sports and Fitness Industry Association, sometimes called SFIA. It's a relatively new position. Glenn had been consulting with them for a while, but was recently named COO. Glenn has had an amazing career, all kinds of interesting stops, both in the professional sports and marketing worlds, but also in academia. Not only is he a two-time grad of Iona University, the Gales, East Coast the Gales, Gales, the East Coast Gales, he is also the founder of, I believe, Glenn, is this true, the founder of the sports certificate. I don't know what the official name of the sports program was. Um, you can correct me in a second. But um, he was one of the pioneers, I'd say, in, in the last 15 years of really advancing sports business education at the graduate level. He was a huge inspiration for me, more than an inspiration. He was actually the individual that got me into teaching. He was nice enough to offer me my first opportunity at then Iona College and uh, dragged me into the world with a little 
trepidation, but uh, we worked well together and uh, had a great experience at Iona before I moved on and he moved on. Anyway, Glenn, I could keep going. NHL where we met. Um, well, Arena I can tell, I can tell you where I met you then. Okay, go. Glenn was a sales guy for Canada Dry at that point. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, Joe, it, Joe, it actually goes before that. I mean, we go back to FUV and yeah. and Iona Fordham. Those were rivalries. That Those yeah. were true rivalries. Pat Kennedy, Tom Penders. You know, Tom, you would think Joe Favorito, Mike Green, and Michael Kay walking into what was then the Mulcahy Center for wow. a – Downey Brook mm -hmm. between the Rams and the Gales. And, it and there was like a fight a, in that. There was a fight in that game. Oh, yeah. So, it would be like yeah. a 53 52 type of score. Yeah. There's nothing in the 70s. It was yeah. this knockout, drag out. They didn't like each other very much. All right. But and then I ended up working at Iona, which is even funnier. Yeah. <laughs> it was just old school. It's, you know, it's the thing I think I miss most about you know, about the landscape of where college athletics is today. And you know, the power schools and conferences, but, you know, what's lost sometimes is just those rivalries. And you think about now, you know, the former Pac-10 and some of those rivalries that have, uh, will break up. Uh, there's nothing like having a school, like in this case, you know, from New Rochelle to Rose Hill, what is it? Eight miles, 10 miles, whatever it is. It's actually less. It's six it's miles. Less. Six miles. Is it really? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's that close. So yeah, I missed those days, but yes, that's where I first met Joe before the Canada Dry Days. <laughs> that's funny. Um, Glenn, let's. I think we can go back and forth from the old experiences to the new experience, but let's just level set on um, SFIA because that's kind of the big story from the world of Glenn Perrin. Um I'm not sure how many people, younger people, know about it. So why don't you start with an overview of SFIA, a brief one, and then I've got a bunch of questions about it. Would love to hear some in, in your answer as we get into the convo about some of the research you've done. Because I think as someone who's uh, had the pleasure to go to one of your events, that's one of the things I did not knew, know that they did that I think is quite interesting, really good stuff and really interesting to the to the um, leaders of the sports business. Well, like, you know, any uh, business sector, there's uh, seemingly there's always a trade association that represents that that industry, uh, you know, trying to look at the overall good of the industry and, and representing that industry. And so the. Sports Fitness Industry Association is just that. Uh, we represent over 700 brands uh, in the U.S. So this is really U.S. Uh, as much as uh, some of our members uh, do distribute, uh, obviously, in, in Canada, but also uh, globally. Uh, it is really focused on the U.S. And what we try to do here is represent the members uh, both on Capitol Hill as relates to any issues uh, that they see uh, that would be pertinent to their business, growing their business, uh, we're looking for affordability and accessibility in sports. So if there's something there that Congress can work together on, and don't laugh at that, but if Congress could work together on to uh, provide uh, funding uh, for uh, sports participation at the youth level, uh, we're there. We're trying to promote that uh, with Congress to do so uh, on behalf of our members. So the public policy and being an advocate with the government is a big thing of what we do. Two is what you just made mention before is research. So we do over 125, don't quote me on each and every one of them at this point, still new, but 125 single sport reports. And those are about the participation trends. So when you're a member whether it's footwear, whether it's sporting goods, equipment, you want to know the trend lines of a particular sport that you're making product for. Is it going up? Is it going down? Uh, how do you break it? How do you break it out? So we look at six to 12, 13 to 17, 18 and older. Uh, so the manufacturers have an idea as they're planning about product. Uh, where are their opportunities? Where are their challenges? So the research and the business intelligence that we can provide our members is really essential to them and, and a huge member value. A third is really for us is about, from a thought leadership perspective, 
and providing you know forums for peer-to-peer -peer re resourcing you know with our members uh different things that they may share in common yes there are competitors uh, within our membership but what can we do to help facilitate uh areas of you know mutual interest for them as far as the industry you can talk about you know women's products uh, in sports and you're starting you know you're seeing more and more an evolution of not just uh, pink it and shrink it uh, but product that is specific to women you're seeing more and more uh, you know women's sports really evolve now from a following standpoint at the professional level which will trickle down to college which will trickle down to uh, high school and to youth sports so that's really important that's something else that we want to promote as an industry in addition to Product innovation. You were just talking about, uh, you know, Apple, and we have a we have a program called the Startup Challenge, and that's about promoting product innovation within sports. Uh, and arguably, in the sporting industry, we're we're probably behind, you know, some of the other major sectors out there as far as product innovation. But we're trying to work with our members and then bring in some new members who are really focused on product innovation. So those are some of the things that from a trade association we try to do and represent for our members as well as bringing in you know non-members so um touch a little bit on scope and size you mentioned and i'd love you to kind of touch on the newer types of members that have come in because i think people hear the name and they say oh you know basketballs and sneakers um how many you know is it the biggest companies and the smallest companies is it uh, international? Is it also, you know, like I said, if you could touch on like, who are the new ones? Like who, you know, maybe you can't name names, but who are the companies that have now suddenly come in who five years ago wouldn't have even thought about a membership? Well, it, you know, it's, it, it is a wide range. So from a, um, at the top, when I say the top end, probably, you know, the largest on the brand side, uh, consumer brand side, you're looking at a Nike and an Adidas. Um, in addition to having those type of apparel and footwear companies, we also uh, work with the professional leagues too. So you name it, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, National Hockey League, um, Major League Baseball, uh, they're also members. The governing bodies are, are members as well. What they're in, you know, a lot of those companies, and one of the things that we try to do uh, with the governing bodies, the leagues, and the manufacturers is also help from a compliance and standards perspective of looking at the equipment. And I was just in a meeting uh, last week down to PGA show uh, with the RA and USGA talking about the ball. You may have uh, heard some of this in the news about they are uh, proposing to change some of the specs on the ball because the ball is going too far in today's game. Uh, in their minds, that's a big that's a big issue as it relates to any manufacturer. If you're going to change a spec of a product that, in this case, is played by both the professional athlete as well as the consumer, and so it's a, it's a it's a major issue when you're saying we're going to change the specs on a particular product uh, that is marketed and then sold to the consumer. So that was a very interesting conversation that took place there. But one of the things that we do with those type of members and even smaller members uh, is looking at the, the standards and the compliance and making sure that everybody is playing fair. Uh, we're not, we as a trade association are not setting you know, what the standards are. We're trying to make sure that the protocols and the process are followed between the manufacturers and the governing bodies about what the specs are and if there are any changes to a product that they're following those uh, particular rules or governance that they've set forth you know, with their, with their members there. And just to answer your question, Joe, as far as you know, some of the new members, uh, I know Replayer is one that we just brought in. They won a startup challenge and that's another one in the tech category uh, that uh, is really kind of capturing the youth sports experience similar to Game Changer, uh, being able to kind of replay. They've been very focused on soccer, but uh, being able to be on the field and really kind of stream, you know, those soccer games, and, and specifically in this case, you know, back to, you know, mom and dad or grandpa and grandma, 
uh, to be able to watch. So we've we've watched a lot of those companies, you know, kind of come into uh, focus now that uh, the technology of uh, you know being able to see uh, a grandchild or son or daughter play really helps uh, grow the focus on youth sports participation uh, and the excitement of youth sports participation. One other follow up. Um... So what about things like games? Can games, if they're, they're hard games like lawn darts or pickleball or uh, board games, um, did those, how do you kind slam of figure ball. out who, who should be, slam ball, right, exactly. <laughs> who should be in it? Who, by the way, official beer, Pabst Blue Ribbon this week. Sign. Is that right? Anyway, nice. Slam ball. Yeah. Anyway, so, so how, is there kind of like a, an, an outside, like you have to be this number of people how, how are the parameters on the gaming side factor? well i think you know you bring up pickleball and pickleball has been um you know in everybody's mind you guys play pickleball I, it was moment. my christmas gift actually once yeah. it gets a little bit warmer yes all right so. all right all right uh but pickleball has been you know uh kind of the uh the high topic over the last couple of years and the and the growth and we just got some uh recent uh research that hasn't been uh, released yet, but you know the numbers continue to just the skyrocket on pickleball participation pickleball, on participation, and it's a good example about one of the things that we're doing. Pickleball right now, you you have so many people who are in the game as it relates to manufacturers. So between the paddles, between the balls, between you know, even some you know eye protection. And what we're trying to do as a trade association is work with the governing bodies and the manufacturers about setting standards. Because it's it's a relatively, it's not you know a brand new sport, but it is in a case of where it is participation-wise. And and they're trying to make it a you know a professional sport, which you got you know various uh, professional associations now involved. But also from a consumer standpoint about buying the product, and there's a the product is all over the map as far as specifications on on the paddles or rackets, however you want to look at it, the balls, and what we're trying to do is bring some type of assemblance in order, and and bringing the manufacturers and the governing bodies together so there is one set of standards that everybody follows, uh, and it's a really unique situation where you have a sport that now has evolved to this degree, you have so many manufacturers who are involved uh, at some level of producing product. And they're all trying to figure out and find some guidance about what are the specs that they should be going by for making paddles. And right now it's still kind of an unknown about what those specs are. And we as a trade association are forming a pickleball council we have councils for uh, baseball, softball, uh, for soccer, for football that work with the manufacturers and the governing bodies uh, to help on those uh, standards and, and the compliance you know, protocols. And pickleball is no different. Pickleball is, uh, it was just out, as I said, I was just down at the PGA show and pickleball had a pretty significant presence at the pickleball show. Because uh, there's a good crossover between pickleball and golf and people who play both. And there's a lot of excitement about where it's going, but there's also a lot of anxiety about who is who is really kind of leading the charge as far as what the specifications are on the product side. And that's right, that merger, the, the merger between the two leaders has not actually been consummated, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, but everybody's kind of laying claim about, you know, here's here's the type of ball you should be playing with, or here's the type of racket you should be playing with. Right. But but there's no NFL or NBA, NBA or MLB to appeal to, to kind of get it done, sounds like. <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's I think, uh, three associations right now who are kind of vying for that right. role. Right, right. Um, yeah. And so what we're, what we're working with right now is just, you know, with the manufacturers who are looking for guidance. They're looking for direction. Hey, Glenn, let's talk for a few minutes about some of the research you did. I know that part of the agenda is to do research that tracks youth participation in the different sports in these different age breaks. 
we know that that's very important to the sports industry for obvious reasons, not just on the licensing and manufacturing side, but the idea of fan development. Can you talk about some stuff you've uncovered in recent reports? Some of the stuff, for example, you shared when we you did that presentation in New York about some of the pros and or not pros and cons, but ups and downs, let's say, of different sports in the mix. Yeah, I think, you know, you said pickleball is is like a hockey stick, you know, so that's, yeah. you know, that continues to uh, just go off the charts there. I think, you know, some of the interesting ones, um, when you look at football, you look at flag football, uh, and the NFL is very, uh, very focused on flag football, and where it's going, they're looking at, you know, the conversion rate from somebody who starts out in flag football, and how it uh, how it lends itself to tackle uh, mom and dad being concerned about you know their son or daughter getting injured uh, and so flag football is a good entry point and then it gives them more time to kind of think about you know is do they want their son or daughter playing tackle you know and is there life. any evidence that it is a, a gateway sport into tackle yeah. football okay yeah yeah mm -hmm. so it's a good it's a good introduction. And, you know, there's also been uh, talk, you know, in the state of California about banning tackle football at that youth level, right? Now, that wow. doesn't look like that's going through this year, but uh, it was it was proposed. Uh, but you're also finding more and more states now that are looking to adopt a championship uh, for flag football, uh, especially at the, on the girls level. And I think you'll see more flag football evolve uh, on the college level, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but a lot of that goes to, you know, reading the research. And so that's why the leagues really lean on us to kind of look at those trend lines to say, what is this telling us right now about, in this case, flag football? What is it telling us about conversion? Down the road, they're also interested about, from a conversion standpoint, of participation to to fandom. But that's that's down the road. Uh, but flag football is definitely one uh, that you want to take notice of. I think overall, uh, what we've seen from participation, and and I know, in this latest uh, survey, which again has not been released, so you guys are hearing it first. But the the inactivity number. Uh, is very very encouraging, in a sense that it's it's, uh, it's I think it's close to an all time low, from an inactivity standpoint, which means a good thing that more and more people are uh, being active in some type of uh, sports participation or fitness participation, uh, which is very very encouraging. We just finished up uh, getting some of that data in over the uh, the last week or so, so we'll be. Uh, We'll be presenting that over the course of the next couple of months uh, as far as what those data results are. But, you know, we we basically we canvass like 18,000 people during the course of the year to uh, get these get these results in 125 different uh, sports. And there isn't anything that I would say, you know, from a trend standpoint, that is like uh, pickleball being the one exception uh, that is like, wow, that's a really downturn. I think. Things for the most part, uh, just top line are very are very healthy as far as sports participation uh, for all sports. There are some that are a little bit soft, uh, but for the most part, I think it's very encouraging. How many of the 125 sports can you name? Well, <laughs> just kidding. Well, if I if I could just you know if I can just list them all, I can go saltwater fishing. There you right? go. Uh, so we we start there. I was talking with Scott Becker the other day, so I got to get him. I got to get him some information on saltwater fishing there, but it's it's a wide variety. It's it's funny about you know the various uh, various sports you know out there, and it's a lot. It's a lot mm -hmm. of it's a lot of information. We work with a variety of organizations to kind of gather that information. So uh, we are we are basically again a gathering source for a variety of uh, organizations that kind of feed this information into one source. And then we help disseminate that information back out. Glenn, is it Glenn, all is it all uh, quantitative, or do you do some qualitative or sentiment analysis? In other words, is more 
interpretive stuff about uh, thoughts about sports and interest in sports and things like that? It's mostly quantitative. We're looking at doing more qualitative uh, in, in the uh, in the future because uh, we think you know right now uh, people rely on us for you know these trend lines, but they also want to go deeper. Uh, they right. want to go deeper as it relates to consumer insights. They want to go deeper, and especially if you're a professional league, to see that linkage between sports participation at various age ranges uh, to being a fan. Uh, so we're looking we're looking at uh, new partnerships and strategic partnerships to help us uh, kind of enhance some of that research uh, to provide better insights uh, for our partners and members. Glenn, you um you've been around the industry, obviously. We've talked about hockey and football, and and for those who don't know, most ninety nine percent people won't know. The three of us spent a Friday night in a cage a few weeks ago watching <laughs> bull riding. Yes, yes. Um, what what's when you, when you first got into this and started looking at it? Were there a couple things that just jumped out as like I had no idea moments uh, in terms of the data or engagement, or a couple things that were really kind of like eye popping that you know you love to share with people. Well, I, I think just overall about a trade association. So, and Tom Cove, our CEO, I've known going back to uh, Tom, our NHL days. And Brian Jennings said, hey, I, I want you to go down to uh, to this uh, event. It was at that point called SGMA, which uh, at that point still had the super show, all right? That oh, I think we've right. all, yeah. we've all started. Mm -hmm. went to one or two of those in our lifetime. Um, and so, you know, just thinking about a trade association, you think you know what a trade association is or does. You guys asked the question early on. I didn't know all the inner workings of the trade association. And some of the, you know, it's amazing just some of the calls that, you know, we get about different situations. It, it could be it could be a shipping or a logistics issue, you know, halfway across the world. All right. And can we talk to somebody in Washington who knows, uh, you know, about why it's being blocked or stopped? Um, dealing with Congress. All right. And particular bills. And we, we've been working on this bill, the FIT Act, uh, that would allow for it, it's kind of a S FSA uh, where you're able to spend money on things that promote your physical fitness. But it, it would be mm -hmm. a tax benefit there. And that's been in you know Congress for a while, trying to get that bill passed. But just learning about the different things of how we work with the government in promoting uh, affordability and accessibility of sports was something that you know I was not aware of. You know when I first started this one, the depth of the research. You know you guys talked about before, 125 reports and major reports that. You know, people really uh, lean on uh, was something else that uh, I really wasn't uh, really wasn't aware of there. Uh, so there's a there's a variety of things, and then the board that uh, really governs SFIA and the leadership, and listening to the board members talk about the greater good of the industry, and you know, obviously all these companies who are members could spend money. Uh, uh, on a variety of things that promote their brand, but that there's a, it's really interesting to listen to them talk about the greater good of the industry and what we as a trade association in partnership with them, the members can do to help uh, health and well-being uh, in this country. All right. If we, if we work together, uh, if we're able to work together with Congress, that we can make a difference uh, and that this group is committed. Now, we don't have everybody in uh, the sporting goods and fitness world is not a member of SFIA. And we're trying to convince some of those who are not uh, to join. Uh, but it's getting them to see the overall benefit about what their participation and what their voice and leadership could do to help this country uh, be more physically fit. And if they're more physically fit, they're probably from a health and uh, mental well-being standpoint, they're also probably better off as well. Uh, so those are those are a variety of things that I just kind of took notice when I uh, really started to kind of dig into this opportunity. 
Who knows, Joe? Maybe one of these days we'll see Glenn at a congressional hearing pulling like no. a Ken. We'll see if he's at like Kendall Roy or cousin Greg. Well, John, John Aranda was this week. Yes, I, I saw was, John. Was, yes. was, John yes. Aranda was this week. I yes. remember what? I this didn't week, see that. Sports rights. Sports rights. Sports rights. Yeah. Like what was the premise of this inquiry or discussion? Uh, it was a discussion on overall sports rights and, and how really kind of the consumer is either getting squeezed or not squeezed. So, Oh, so that's an easy one. Uh, yeah. uh, squeezed would be the right answer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it takes too much discussion to see that. Um, that That's really interesting because I think you're right. Most of us who have been around uh, and have been tangentially um, around trade associations never really think about exactly what they're doing. Like when you named all that stuff, I hadn't thought about that for the other stuff I've been involved with, but you're, you realize they're important. And I was thinking, Glenn, as you were talking, it, the, the, the old acronym was SGMA, right? From yes. the nineties. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I was just thinking how their, their fundamental needs in all businesses. Um, and while there have been challenges and ups and downs, they, they they somehow evolve to meet the market that they're finding themselves in. So if you think about trade associations, it's still a very important role for them. And it's not unlike any business where they need to move with the times and evolve themselves. And I know you that's something you're trying to bring to it in terms of the uh, new thinking and innovation, some of which is reflected in your uh, entrepreneurial program but i think that's really smart to to um kind of extend it beyond its comfort zone yeah and you know one of the things that i've been fortunate to do you know early on is uh be able to develop some what i'll call working committees and so whether it's a marketing communications and events committee or a research committee or a people and culture committee uh the idea is to bring the leaders of our members together all right, uh, to get you know more awareness uh, and knowledge about what we're trying to do as a trade association within those member organizations, but also <clears throat> facilitate peer-to-peer -peer resourcing where a lot of these members uh, and these leaders from these particular organizations, they get a chance uh, to be on a call, to talk about issues in their particular, uh, particular functional area that they can have an additional resource. Now, in some cases, you do have competitors. You have com you have competitive categories, apparel, footwear. So you do run into some of those areas where you have to step back and you have to be careful about what you say. But in a lot of the functional areas, you know, that's not the case. You know, whether it's HR, people and culture, uh, that's not the case. And they they like to. Uh, hear you know, some of the pain points that they're going through that they can, you know, really uh, uh, you know, understand or appreciate and be able to offer some guidance and, and you know, get some input or give some input uh, to them. So that's one of the things we're trying to do. Two is uh, develop some programs, developed a program last year called the Accelerator Program, E-X-C-E-L, and that's a program that what came out of the People and Culture Committee to identify high-performing young professionals, those with eight years or less experience uh, from a member organization uh, with diverse backgrounds. And the idea there is to really kind of promote having a career in the sporting goods and fitness industry. You guys know better than anybody else that uh, media rights, sponsorships, uh, those always uh, are front and center uh, when you're talking about academic programs, uh, people, you know, as far as thinking about the sports industry, that's at the top, top of mind. The sporting goods and fitness side, the actual product side is not necessarily at the forefront. And we want students, we want people who are thinking about careers to think about, you know, working within this industry. And that there are a lot of jobs within the sporting goods and fitness industry uh, that they may not be aware of when they're in college or coming out of college. And if they're interested in sports, they think about media companies, they think about leagues, they think about teams, uh, but they don't necessarily think about brands uh, that are sporting goods or fitness companies. In a lot of cases, uh, 
the academic programs don't really promote sporting goods or fitness uh, industry either. And so I think this is an opportunity for us to try to promote uh, the industry on the academic side, as well as on the young professional side, and really try to keep some of the young, uh, really uh, high potential talent within the industry. Glenn, how did you get into education? Let's go back to that. Um, you went to Iona, Tom. What else would you need to know? Well, <laughs> the, the Iona, the Iona thing was so nice because you undergrad, MBA, and then you you found your way into the teaching side. But I, I don't really know the origin story of how you got that gig and started to lead that program. Well, it was one of the things where, and and Joe's very much a part of this you know community, and he's had involvement with Iona. Um, it was as things were developing over the eighties and nineties um, and, and you're thinking about your alma mater in this case, Iona uh, so many people were working at various companies. Uh, it, it could have been at ESPN and it was a, a Tim McCarthy uh, at ESPN and he was a general manager uh, for them. But there were, there were so many people who were in the sports industry and I just thought it was an opportunity for the proximity of where, in this case, Iona is New Rochelle, uh, and being able to help students be connected to those in the industry. And just having the good fortune of having a, a pretty wide network, I wanted to be able to try to bring in some of those relationships uh, to Iona. And a person that Joe knows very well, Rich Petrucconi, was uh, still in leadership at that point at Iona. And I, I was talking to Rich and he introduced me to uh, some of the higher ups and somebody you know now, Tom Vin Coluzzo. And we just started talking about the vision of connecting industry to the classroom, evolving our alumni. Uh, and so I just did a lot of research, you know, and then LinkedIn was just starting out at that point. So I used LinkedIn to really kind of investigate about where Iona alums were who were in the industry. And I convinced the school that this was a program to develop and that started out as a certificate program at the graduate level. Uh, and I think as, as you well know, uh, I was focused on developing an advisory board, not to have an 80 person advisory board, but really to have a, um, a, a portal that could go out to agencies, leagues, teams, brands, a variety of, of uh, industry sectors that could connect them to our students and then bring those people on campus uh, and just have students, quite honestly, just want to listen to people who are doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you guys know it better than anybody. They want to hear how deals are getting done. They want to hear how a decision was made. They don't necessarily just want to read it through a book or an mm -hmm. assignment, but they mm -hmm. want to hear uh, from the people who actually made it happen. And so I was able to kind of bring that vision to life at Iona and bring people like you, Tom, into the fold. And uh, it was a, a terrific, you know, faculty. It was able to build, you know, right from the from the get go, uh, in a variety of areas, in a variety of functional areas. And it was exciting that I was able to kind of grow it to the undergraduate side. And ultimately, I was able to bring in, you know, a Ross Greenberg. I was able to bring in a George Bodenheimer. Uh, and taught a class with George Bodenheimer, which was, which was a thrill. And uh, still remember, like the second class after he taught the first class with me. In the second class, the students they asked me, "Was he really the chairman of ESPN?" Because George had just such a understated demeanor about himself. He, he was definitely not somebody who was going to uh, pound his fist on the desk and just dictate that you do something. There was just the style that he had, you know, convincing style. But, you know, he was a gentleman first in how he presented himself. And, and that was such a treat of uh, teaching a class, you know, with George and and Ross, as as Joe, know, Joe knows, mm -hmm. is a master storyteller. Uh, and he's still at Iona now uh, on the uh, arts and science side on the uh, master's, I think, uh, communications program there. So that was great. And that's one of the things that I really love about the accelerator program and that we're able to bring uh, to SFIA is it's a chance for me to still be involved and help young professionals learn about, you know, growing leadership, connecting them with people in the industry. And that's that's what we did this past year is 
we spent six months uh, on the accelerator program of lunch and learn series, professional workshops, career counseling. And so we're growing it this year. We got more sponsors lined up for it this year. And I'm hoping eventually that this can develop into a young professional network for the sporting goods and fitness industry. Um, Glenn, my last question is uh, looking forward. So what are some of the markers people should be looking for, both for the organization and for the industry in general in the next year? I mean, what, are there causes of concern? Are there really kind of uplifting things that people should be looking for? And then how do they find everything? Well, I think, you know, I talked about before uh, women, uh, girls, women's girls products. Uh, I think more development there. There's a big focus, a big emphasis uh, being placed on that, and rightfully so. Uh, pickleball, we talked about before and, and how pickleball is going to continue to grow. I think one of the things that we're focusing on this year, and we have a <clears throat> conference coming up in Indianapolis on the 15th and 16th, that's our team sports conference is looking at the global sporting events that are coming to the U.S. Uh, over the course of the next uh, several years, uh, especially a lot of the soccer events coming to the U.S. Uh, and then the Olympics. Uh, with the Olympics, they're having the demonstration sports or optional sports, I think is how they word it. Uh, baseball, softball is back in. Lacrosse is being added. And then flag football is a big part of that, too, as well as cricket and squash. I think I got them all. Uh, but flag football and looking at, you know, how are our manufacturers uh, preparing for that springboard uh, for those opportunities? And soccer, uh, you, you, soccer can't be any well better positioned than they are now to grow with the various events that are coming here to the United States, uh, both for the men and for the women. Uh, so we're we're focused on on soccer. We're focused on women's products. We're focused on pickleball. We're focused on flag football. Uh, but more than anything else, we're we're focused on how do we get more young kids playing sports early on, all right, and to be more active. And how can we work with our Congress? Though that this this is an election year, uh, how can we work with Congress to help? Uh, promote that as well uh, and to get their support. All right. I'm going to cool. um, just pivot over to career stuff because, you know, we ask a couple of final questions and I think the career one may, may take a little bit, um, have a little bit more substance with someone like you because you truly are, I would, I would describe you as a pioneer in, in career development. Let's call it the aspect of all this stuff. So Joe, you probably know that when Glenn, got that program going one of the hallmarks of it at least i thought it was glenn was you did extracurricular events focused on career development and that made a big impression on me as someone who got to speak at a couple of them i still remember the one i did with jim schwabel by my side remember that <laughs> one yeah. um that um i remember kind of having a little bit of a um because it was before i was teaching i believe that i participated in those like kind of an out-of-body experience. Like this is really, really good information these young are getting from these people here up on, you know, up on the dais. Uh, and you were really, really good about developing those programs and executing those programs. And they were, I thought, extremely valuable. You obviously did a lot of them. And I know you got good feedback from the students and the administrators. Um, so... Talk talk about that motivation to go beyond the classroom and really connect the dots on career stuff. I, I think it's, you know, when somebody helps you, and I felt like I was very fortunate when I was at Iona, uh, and as much as I played baseball there, uh, I went and I worked in the athletic department, and I had uh, a few folks, you know, take me under their wings, all right, to help guide me, uh, teach me. Uh, and I always, you know, really appreciated that. And I always wanted to figure out ways to kind of give back and help students who don't have the same, may not have the same opportunity. And I felt like if we could, you know, connect them to people that otherwise they wouldn't meet, that that would be a big boost to them. And, and also to give them 
uh, you know, inspiration about listening to folks that were able to kind of bring to those forums about, I never thought about that job, or you know what, I have that character trait that that person's talking about. Maybe that's something that I can do. And so just to just to kind of bring them in and kind of shape the discussion about inspiration and aspiration. And, you know, when you're in college, and recently having uh, two uh, out of college over the last several years, and that question of, hey, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. It's like, oh, God, it pains me when I hear that answer. But if you bring people in and they're able to kind of share about how they found their way, all right, what moved them? Who, who mm -hmm. motivated them? Did they have a mentor? What was the trigger point that said, this is probably something that I want to do that I'm really good at or that I can be good at? And if I bring in more people from outside industry, I'm not saying that one session that, that that's going to connect. But maybe it's the second session or the third session that they connect. As long as you have some diversity in the type of people that you're bringing in front there, and they all have different backgrounds and they all had different paths to how they got to where they are, somewhere along the line, it's going to connect with that person who took the time out to sit in the chair uh, and ask somebody that question. And so that's that was really one of the, I always remember just leaving those events and leaving with the students and you know, feeling really good about that about a particular event as that student was just thinking about, wow, you know what, I'd never thought about it in that manner. And this has given me something to think about as far as a potential career path. And I think in the case of the accelerator program that talked about with SFIA, it's the same, it's the same thing. I mean, these are people who are just starting out their career, they're figuring it out. And what I'm trying to do is what we're trying to do is give them a, a broader picture about the various sectors within the industry and opportunities in the industry um, and to be, have it be a resource for their career development. Mm -hmm. Great answer. Well, what you did was definitely an inspiration for us doing this pod, you know, starting eight years ago, because um, I think you said it quite well. Just hear the stories, all the young people who think there's a map you can draw and follow through a career need to know that there's no map. There's a lot of randomness, there's serendipity, there's luck, uh, and people find a way usually. And um, it's it's good to listen to a lot of those stories. It's a, also, in my opinion, Glenn, I think the other benefit was it was really good and it still is, whether it's through this pod or guests coming to our class or the stuff you're doing with the accelerator, just hear about these different jobs. To your point a little while ago, I and mean, we talked about this with John Sohegan when he was on recently, not a lot of people come into sports and say, I'm really interested in licensing, even though it's a massive category. It's yeah. a very important part of the sports business. You never hear any young people talk about licensing. There are tons and tons of opportunities in licensing. And part of what I say to everybody, just listen to the different stories and and you get a sense of what their jobs are like, the kinds of things they need to focus on and think about. And then if you start connecting with some of those, that will help determine at least your initial direction and you take it mm -hmm. from there. So anyway, thank yes. you. Yes, yes. Yeah. I couldn't couldn't agree more with that. And I, and I do think that there's more opportunities for academic programs to to look at licensing and sporting goods and fitness uh, and, and to put a little bit more focus, you know, on those, uh, on that particular category. Mm -hmm. For sure. Joe, any thoughts on that before we move to the last question? No, I agree. Um, I, I think it's tremendously helpful. And uh, I think Glenn kind of addressed one of the two questions, but if you want to get to the, actually, there are two questions that we still have to ask. Yes, that's um, true. Let's so, let's actually have fun with it with the with the fun the, the easy question oh in the in the middle we'll put it this time, Glenn um, Joe came up with this idea a few weeks like a month or two ago, um, we we noticed of course because we do this on Zoom we get a little glimpse into people's home offices and we realize especially in the sports biz everybody's got little tchotchkes, mementos stuff from their backgrounds what's the best thing you got from the business that you cherish. 
Oh, from the business. Yeah. Like through all your years and all the events and all the meetings. I'm looking at a few things in your background, but you have to wow, make that call. A, yeah, that's a you can that's pick a, one or two if you want. That's a lot. Well, I got I got uh all right, you're moving away from the mic. You gotta get back to the mic. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> We should just pick some things off of the shelf, actually. Yeah. How about Joe and no, I decide? No, no. You just show us your room. No, no, it's funny because, you know, this one. Ooh, what is uh, that? Oh, crazy. yes, NHL. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, that was something that was really special because that was really my first, uh, that was my entry point into the NHL and helping to create a, you know, first time ever theme playoff marketing program. And one of the cool things about that one was, we did the whole bring the cup home promotion with JC Penney's where there was one person within the Stanley cup champions market through a JC Penney won the opportunity to bring the Stanley cup to their backyard for one afternoon during the summer. And so That's that was funny. really cool. So that was good. And uh, by the way, for everybody who didn't see what Glenn held up, it was called cup crazy. That was the, the promotion at the NHL back then. Another another thing now, this goes back, this is a little bit off sports, but this goes back to what Joe was saying, you know, early on uh, when I worked at Canada Dry of New York, which actually became Coors of New York. So this is a 1987 Coors Banquet can that is a little bit uh, dilapidated now, uh, but we actually took on Coors Beer in 1987 uh, and we were the distributors in New York in 1987 because before that, that was new in the new york market then right yeah yeah, yeah. before that you people would go over to connecticut or go right. somewhere else to uh uh get their uh their cores now cores life but yeah that was a cores banquet beer so those are those were two items i got i got a lot of other uh yeah. different well, that's good those that's are, a good one cup crazy is a good memory and i got um, and i do have a few i do have a few 1994 world cup momentums too uh that uh, now, when that comes back to uh, to the U.S., I still held on to that. I actually even have a World Cup Jeff Hamilton jacket, if uh, if people are remember uh, him. Glenn, do you have one of the um, – you guys can't see this, I don't think, but I've got the NHL 2000 hockey puck, remember, from Y2K? That whole thing, you must have one of those, too. Yeah, I think that's down. Anyway, let's let's wrap this. Uh, let's that's land that's this plane, as they say. <laughs> Um, last question. You can make this a quick answer. Um, how do you keep up with everything? What kind, any, any thoughts on, or recommendations on what to read, what you're listening to, whatever you mentioned. Anything. I know you check out a lot of stuff, but if you want to highlight a couple of things, that would be good. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what, it's, you know, it's tough. I get so discouraged sometimes where I, I couldn't get to everything. So, you know, know. podcast yeah. in, the, in the morning. So whether it's front office, front office, SBJ and Sportico, Try to get those on the, the the morning walk with the dog. Uh, then I get my you know Wall Street Journal, my my general news, my even my BBC World. Uh, I try to listen to uh, sporting goods business. You know, just as far as the industry uh, for our industry, in the case of sporting goods and fitness, is a regular read for me. So, sporting goods business intelligence is a regular read for me, just to be on top of what's going on in this particular sector. Cool, nice. and then now. Uh, Last question is, is give us all the places where people can find you and the organization. So it's uh, SFIA.org. So I'm at G-H-O-R-I-N-E at SFIA.org. And so you can follow us on our website. So we have a website, newsletter, a lot of information coming out from SFIA. We neglected to point out, Joe, that Glenn is the uncle of one of our other friends and guests, Mark, yeah, you know, Tom, I don't know if we've had many siblings or, or at least distant <laughs> or relatives. relatives. Yeah, that might yeah. be the first. Uh, wow, you could, you could yeah, probably have us on a podcast together. Shout out. Maybe you should like the, I got an idea. Joe and I can be your producers. You and Mark Horan, like the Kelsey brothers, you do the Horan brothers on sports business. How's yeah. that? Or not brothers, but the Horan family on sports business. Yes, yes. We could we could make that happen. Okay, we'll Great. follow up with you on that. Uh, anyway, Glenn, thanks for spending some time with us. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Congrats on the relatively new position. It sounds really fascinating. It sounds like uh, it's a good match for you based on your your, your wide-ranging interest in the business. 
ranging from a partnership development to marketing to mentorship. It, it's it's all good. It's a it's a good. All good. Thing. Yeah. So good. thank you. Uh, we appreciate it, Joe. Thank you. Good to be back. I know you're in Vegas next week. Yep. You're gonna do You'll some be, pods uh, out there, I assume. We I we I assume we are. We have the whole crew going. So. Okay. Uh, Will be interesting starting uh, by the time this comes out. We'll be in the midst of uh, the jungle of podcasts with our. Yeah, our, I think last able... year you did, you did like thirty-seven podcasts. Yeah, we did ridiculous amount because I think they so, were still coming out in the summer last year. Yeah, as I recall. And, we, and we'll give Mike Shredder, our producer, lots to kind of cut up at that point. Too, yeah, so. well, that'll be fun. Uh, but anybody, anyway, um, Glenn, thanks again on behalf of the program. Uh, and we wish you well. Always a job. treat, guys. Always a treat. Yeah, and we appreciate everybody listening. Thanks to Mike Shredder behind the scenes, our producer, who was terrific. And we thank uh, Scott and LJ and Danny and the administration uh, to su supporting us. And we thank our listeners for listening. Any thoughts about topics or guests? We're all ears. So please reach out. Anyway, enjoy the uh, the Super Bowl next week. And we'll see you on the next episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.